This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Here's Barrett, some shake and bake, down the three. Satchel in the crowd with Barrett. Five on the 24. Barrett previously in the airport. The drive, the land, that's a Carbone coming at you with another episode of BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Yep, hope everybody's doing all right. You know, it's pretty much the same shit um, of late. You know, uh, we're still on lockdown. Um, at least in my area, we're kind of starting to open things up a little bit. Um, I do know that in other states. Um, I don't know the specific states, but I know that, you know, there's a little bit of a spike in some cases with this virus. So that's unfortunate, but, um, you know, continuing to pray for those who, who need it. And, um, hopefully this can all be, uh, done with pretty soon guys. (laughs) Um, now there's not really much to dive into and discuss tonight. Fucking, you know, just because we really did a whole bunch of, um, you know, of research on the Knicks and the, and the pre-draft prospects over the last few months. So we don't have much else. You know, I do know though that the NBA plans to return and it's, I don't know if it's officially official yet, but it seems like it's, it's um, going to happen at the end of July. Now for the Knicks though, and this is kind of why we're doing an episode tonight um, for the Knicks, their season, regardless of whatever happens with the NBA, the Knicks season in 2020, at least is over. Um, they will not be returning to play, you know, basketball in um, in 2020, they're done. Um, they finished their season. I want to say 21 and 45. Um, you know, <laughs> it's not good. Um, they had a terrible, terrible season and yeah, there's not really any way else to put it. It just kind of felt like a wasted year. You know, it felt like in a year where they could have used this um, season to develop their youth and kind of uh, teach proper fundamental basketball to their young kids and, you know, prioritize certain aspects of the game and do all those types of things that rebuilding teams are supposed to do. It felt like the Knicks just ignored all of that, right? They didn't play the youth enough. The youth that they did play, played them in some clunky lineups, some misfits surroundings, and it just, it didn't really make sense. Um, players who were signed in the offseason, some of them didn't live up to expectations, <clears throat> Julius Randle, um, and some of them just got way too much time, again, over the kids. And I think that's the big thing it all comes down to, is playing the kids, Right. You know, despite their question marks and the Knicks don't really have a number one true star, you know, at the moment right now, they still need to be playing all these kids just so they can eventually 
grow and develop and see what they have in them, you know? So I think, you know, me personally, <laughs> I call it a wasted season. One that went straight down the drain. Um, yeah. You know, that's what happens when you, when you, <laughs> when you go out there and sign a bunch of, um, a bunch of veteran stop gaps in free agency, right? And not really uh, doing the proper, you know, making the proper decisions with 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 all the financial flexibility they had and still have. Let's be honest; they still can, you know, with all those deals they signed in the summer last year. You know, they were usually they most of them, I think, if not all, were most of them were uh, you know these short term team friendly deals that are easily waivable or survivable, you know? So that's the positive aspect aspect that the Knicks can at least make more room. But, you know, the, the good thing is that they can make more room and maybe Leon Rose, you know, is assembling a much better, much smarter front office to where they won't go and make those stupid decisions again and sign some misfits who really just don't work here. Um, you know, hopefully they use this upcoming free agency um, whenever that may be, obviously, and um, sign players that, you know, help benefit this team, you know, go sign some front court shooting, go find some backcourt, you know, players, uh, you know, we need shooting. That's the number one thing. And go find guys who are going to, you know, who are willing to take that extra step and give in that extra, extra hustle play, you know, like Marcus Morris so often did. Um. So yeah, all in all, I would say it was a failed season, undoubtedly failed, even despite the low expectations, you know, for the Knicks, I would still say they still play below those low expectations, right? This was a team who I didn't expect to be great, but I was at least hoping for 30 wins and some proper steps in the right direction from some specific players, you know, but we didn't really get that. We got 21 wins and obviously the season was shortened, but you know, not much winning. And then the player development part of it was just a mess. It was a total disaster, right? Um, the very few players who improved from last season to this, I would say Mitchell Robinson and, <laughs> and it's really it. I mean, Frank Nilakina maybe showed a little bit of a jump in terms of his confidence and his aggression. Um, but I would say, you know, there's not really been, you know, most players regressed or just stayed neutral. Um, but yeah, some of the positives from this season was Mitchell Robinson's game continues. To, he, he continues to show promise while he does have some tremendous flaws. Obviously this guy's got to find a way to stay on that court and stay out of foul trouble. He still, he brings so much promise, you know, because this is a guy, despite playing only, I don't know what he played 20, 20 something minutes a game. Um, he still gave you, you know, what, what I'm trying to think of is it was like nine points and seven rebounds in 20 minutes a night. So you, that's an excellent rate. You know, he blocked two shots as well. So you, you, if he finds a way to stay on that court and not foul, not make those stupid low IQ defensive mishaps, he's a walking double, double, you know, somebody who could give you 15 points, 10 rebounds and block three or four shots a night as well. You know, he's that good. Love him on the offensive glass. Such a great finisher at the rim with those soft hands. Excellent in pick and roll. Can roll to the rim. Does need to work on screening a little better. And um, again, obviously, he's a tremendous shot blocker and shot alterer. 
but also needs to work on that um, discipline defensively. But I think he showed some promise. He was one player that I was satisfied with, right? I give him a B. Um, I think I had my report card, you know, way, you know, I would say three or four months ago, right when the quarantine started. Um, I, I, you know, I, um, I did an episode and I kind of, you know, gave my report card on the Knicks. So you can go check that out. Um, but yeah, it's fucking, it was, wasn't really positive outside of a select few, right? I did like, you know, I was satisfied with RJ Barrett's rookie season. Now he, he didn't have a great season. You know, he didn't really have a, that good of a season, but despite that, you know, despite the inefficiency in his jump shooting, not shooting well at the free throw line or, you know, shooting below average at the three point stripe. I still think there is some positive signs there, right? I love that he can play bully ball so effectively. His excellent upper body strength uh, bullies his way to the rim. I think that's going to be his knack as he develops more as an uh, more as an NBA player. Um, but yeah, he's got to work on the jumper. Um, can get some tunnel vision at time, but I did like the playmaking skills he showed. He showed an ability to shot create. He showed an ability to play really exceptional off the basketball. You know, without the ball in his hands, he can do that pretty well as, as well. So, um, in the defensive game, you know, he he struggled at times defensively, keeping up with some certain guards and um the more quicker ones might give him some issues because he's a crafty type of player who doesn't have explosiveness, but I did see some promise there. You know, I do still think his defense was much, was much better um, than advertised. You know, at Duke, he wasn't a great defender with the Knicks. He was at least better than he was as a blue devil. Um, And the rebounding was solid again, you know, despite all the criticism he received and despite all his ups and downs, this is a kid who's, he's a teenager. He's a 19 year old teenager who averaged, just about 15 points and five rebounds. So I'm not going to go yell bust at somebody who just dropped 15 and five in his rookie year who can't even drink yet. So I'm going to give him a little bit of time. I think it was a, you know, a positive rookie season when you look at it all in all, you know, I think he showed enough to where I will give him another shot. Um, now there were also some guys, like I said, most of the Nick youth either didn't get enough time or, just weren't good. Um, Kevin Knox is one who kind of fits both of those categories. Um, you know, he's been awful ever since he came into the NBA. He's been terrible. Um, his rookie season was awful and his sophomore season was somehow worse. His sophomore season was probably so bad that it made his rookie season look credible. Um, you know, because at least in his rookie season, he was dropping 13 points a night this year. He defensively, he did not show enough effort, offensively he occasionally would attack and throw something down beat you on a blow by or you know backdoor cut and throw one down but it was not consistently enough um the jump shot which is supposed to be his thing right he's got a nice form and it looks like he can have that type of game where he'd be a three and d guy the jump shot was inconsistent and again the rim protecting was just god awful you know i was hoping that kevin knox would eventually be somebody who can knock down a three and block a shot or two per game on the other end. But so far we're not getting that. Um, now that said, as bad as Kevin Knox was guys, um, I do think the next played a big role in that. And we will talk about that as soon as we get back from break. So we'll be right back guys. And um, stay tuned.
fellas. Really quick before we continue with the show, I just want to remind you, if you haven't yet subscribed to BD4, be sure to do so right now. Just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. like the Knicks did, you know, playing him sometimes for 15 minutes and then the next game playing him for seven minutes and then one game playing for 29 minutes. When you do that to a player, to a young kid who's already struggling as it is, it's not going to help with his confidence. That's not going to help him kind of grow to be better. You know, that's only going to make him worse um, on that basketball field, uh, court. <laughs> um, you know, he, he's somebody who... <laughs> who should, in my, in my opinion, as bad as a, of a product as he was, he still should have been playing every day. Now, if he wasn't going to play every day on the Knicks, you know, if they're going to play those veterans who won't be here next year over him, whatever, send Kevin Knox to Westchester, let him develop in the G League, you know, for as long as possible until he shows somewhat of a credible product. That's what they should have been doing. They have the prospects to fit in, right? They've got Iggy, who really played well in Westchester, who they could have called up. They have Kenny Wooten, who they could have given him a shot to, you know, and Kevin Knox just did not belong on the NBA court. He should have been getting everyday time to work on his game down in Westchester. Instead, the Knicks sporadically played him, didn't get any kind of rhythm like that. You know, when you take two or three shots per game sometimes and don't get any open looks consistently enough for stretches, it's hard to really find your niche in the NBA. And that, to me, was a big part of Kevin Knox's regression as well this past season. You know, I don't want to put all of it on him. I understand you might think he's a bust. You know, he's he's not been good. He's been terrible. I'll be the first to admit it. But when somebody plays terrible basketball, you don't just, there's no point at just throwing him out of the window. You should at least send him to Westchester, right? You don't just yell bust and say, fuck that. What's the worst that could happen if you send him to Westchester? You still have him, right? There's at least hope that he could develop into something, right? If you just want to cut the guy, that makes no sense. What if he ends up being decent elsewhere, right? You can always cut him if he doesn't work. You know, if he doesn't pan out, even in Westchester, then you make your cut. Or, or, you know, there's so many irrational fans out there that I feel like just don't understand how developing youth work. You know, you're supposed to take the proper steps here and, and follow, you know, simple rudimentary instruction. Um, that's a breaking bad line there, isn't it? That just came to my head. But no, I'm serious. You know, they they're... You don't just cut a guy because you think he's a bust. You know, if somebody's not panning out, you send him down. You send him down for work. And if that doesn't work out, if you're still not positive after that, then you could throw him out the window. Okay. But I just feel like the Knicks played a tremendous role in that, in his big time regression. And honestly, it was John Calipari who said, let's be honest, he, he pretty much flat out said Kevin Knox is going to suck his first couple of seasons in the NBA. Now I'm not quoting that obviously, but you can go and look it up and you'll, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. But 
Yes, I mean, he's one of the guys who struggled. Uh, Damian Dotson should have been given more time. Good 3 and D wing. You know, put up similar rate, you know, this past season than he did as he did uh, the year before. He just didn't get the minutes. Alonzo Trier, one of the Knicks' better scorers, probably their best scorer, just a pure bucket getter, barely played this season. Why? Beyond me. Maybe we need to develop Wayne Ellington, who's about 55 years old and, you know, on a steep decline already. It, it, there were just so many irrational decisions um, that Nick coaching made, Nick front office made, and, you know, it, it's hard to really point the finger at who it really was. I personally think that the two coaches the Knicks had were more puppets than anything. Though I will say that I do think Mike Miller showed more of a credible coaching ability, you know, more of a, of a, a knack to coach than David Fisdale did. I think David Fisdale was a joke. You know, I do think a lot of that was on him. Whereas with Mike Miller, he at least had the Knicks competing to a degree, right? Um, now, the player development thing has to, in my opinion, you know, it's been a pattern the entire time. It's never really worked. Nobody has really started developing yet under either coach. And I think that lands on the front office more than anything. So that's going to be something that um, I hope Leon Rose is addressing right now, right? We know Leon is making some decisions already, you know, bringing in a couple of guys who have some credible resumes in the NBA. So maybe we start to see a little bit of change in culture here. The Knicks can start getting, you know, back on the semi right track here. So, you know, we'll see. And obviously Kenny Atkinson is is now coming up in the headlines as one of the Nick favorites. Um, so, you know, I don't hate that. I don't know too much about the guy. I might have to read up on him more to give more of an opinion. But, hey, we'll see what happens as the days go on. You know, obviously the Julius Randle thing is kind of an interesting situation, being that the Knicks are looking for a stretch big, reportedly. So are they going to find one in the draft and trade Randle? Are they going to find one? You know, do they want to find one in free agency and trade Randle? Or maybe in the trade market and swap Randle with somebody? You know, I know Markinen's in trade talks. Um, I know the free agents coming up, you know, stretch bigs like Bertans is out there. Gallinari, Joe Harris is out there. Um, and then obviously in the draft, a lot of people like Obi Toppins potential. So we'll see what happens guys. That's, you know, that's pretty much all we've got tonight. Um, yeah, the Knicks, their season's over and it was not a pretty look for the organization. Once again, how often do we get used to saying that? Um, but we're going to take a, uh, no, we're going to get to our NYY, NYK question of the day real quick, and then uh, we'll wrap it up. All right. All right. So let me pull it up on my phone here. All right, so last time out, we asked you, Derek Jeter, who played 20 professional seasons of baseball, had over 3,000 hits. In how many seasons did Derek Jeter collect at least 200 hits? Told you to message me or comment the answer, and the answer to that question, once again, Jeter had 3,000 hits across 20 seasons in baseball. Um, how many seasons did he have at 200-hit season? He had eight. He had eight 200-hit seasons, so... That's your answer to the NYY NYK question of the day. Now, tonight's NYY NYK question of the day on the Knicks, obviously. Uh, Jamal Crawford played for a whole bunch of teams in his NBA career, a whole bunch. Um, he even played for the Knicks at a time. 
when did he first join the Knicks? What year was it when Jamal Crawford became a Nick? So that's our question for tonight. Once again, Jamal Crawford played for a whole bunch of NBA teams, the Knicks included. Um, but which year did he play for the Knicks? What was the first season he played in a Nick uniform? So message me or comment on, you know, any of our platforms and, you know, I'll give you a shout out if you do. So guys, thank you so much for stopping by. And we're going to end this episode tonight. Um, episode 137 of BD4. BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Guys, thank you so much for stopping by. And I think that's pretty much it, you know. Um, yeah, we're going to wrap it up. You know, there's not much else to talk about. Um, <laughs> so thank you for stopping by. And, uh, you know, I don't know when our next when our next podcast will be. You know, there's not much going on. So we'll see. Guys, thank you so much. I'll see you next time.